0: WEEI Studios, the home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 937 WEEI FM in HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: This hour is brought to you by the cleanup and restoration specialist at Surf Pro. Call one 800 pro
0: And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI.
2: And that will be the last play of the game. So they've now won three straight here in this what has been through the years a home of horrors for them. Come out in great shape in terms of the playoff hunt, not so for New England with the mark of six and six.
0: Is somewhat. Cordially, cordially, I'm not quite sure how I want to describe that. I, I, I don't but, know. You know.
3: I hate to even go here, but there's two more holidays that this team has to ruin that we haven't even gotten to yet. They already ruined Thanksgiving. We got Christmas coming up. We got New Year's coming up. I j- you know, like, there were many summers in my childhood we're right here on these WEEI airwaves. People would call in all throughout the summer months and say, this team is ruining my summer. When's the last time that the Patriots ruined your holiday season? When's the last time you can say that that happened, Boston? Because I, you know what? I have to really go back a ways to think of a time where the season hung in the balance right around here, right around Christmas. And it all unraveled right, right at this exact time. It's been a second, it's been a while, and I just, you know, I mean, we're all we're getting a lump of coal in our stocking. We're not, we're not getting what we want on New Year's either. I think this is going to be this is going to be a tough finish to this season because uh, that was a tough game that we just watched the other night. Uh, I'm Christian Arcan, by the way. Welcome in here, uh, Sports Radio WEEI. Be with you until four o'clock. We got a big show today. Uh, three action-packed hours. We'll be joined by Mike DeBate at 2.30 of Sports Illustrated. One of the – I like Mike because uh, if you haven't uh, heard him or read him, and you have, must have by now because he's everywhere, uh, very informative, very down the middle, uh, deep down just, you know, cannot cannot bring himself to say anything negative about the team. you got to wonder. Where uh, where he is right now and the people who he represents, which I think is a large slice of Patriots fandom. It's not me anymore. I sort of, you know, you do this job long enough. You start getting jaded by things. I still root for them. I'm obviously still a Patriots fan. I still want them to succeed. I still want them to go deep into the playoffs. It's good. It's fun. It's the team I grew up rooting for and it's good for business. All that, you know, it's true. But (laughs) I got to tell you, I got to tell you that thing on Thursday. It feels it's different. It's a game, and we talked about this. Lou and Christian and Mego and uh, Ryan and I all talked about this uh, yesterday. We all thought they were going to lose. No one, no one expected that they were going to win the the game. I don't think I don't think anyone picked them. I don't know. Maybe on I don't, no one on our show picked them. I don't know, in the pregame, in the Amazon pregame, did anyone have New England? I don't think anyone picked. I don't think Sherman or Fitzpatrick did, but I'll be honest, I missed it. I don't, I don't know what the pregame prediction situation was. I'd be surprised if any of them did. Either way, the consensus, I feel like, was leaning heavily towards Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo was very confident. That wasn't the type of game that they walked in second-guessing themselves or the fan base second-guessing Josh Allen or anything else. You know they they walked in there they walked in there with a little hop in their step, and you could tell they uh, they they meant business when they got there. And it wasn't any extra style, wasn't any extra patriot. You know it's funny because the Jets coach tried to say this, the Jets, Robert Sala tried to talk about. Well, we're too young to really remember those scars and everything. He's kind of right. Like the Jets are very young, and I don't think that those old time scars came up. They just have a bad quarterback, and they didn't switch away from him in time. If they had Mike White in those two Patriots games, I think the Jets would have won at least one of them, right? I mean, they were two close games that the quarterback completely botched for them. Uh, So, you know, I don't know if they've won both, but I think they probably would have split. Um, The Bills not only don't, you know, feel those scars, they've put it all behind them and are now very clearly uh, a team that you have to worry about probably for a long time. Now when I say worry about I don't mean worry about them the way that the dolphins are going to have to worry about them at the top of the division maybe at the top of the conference even. Uh, you don't have to worry about Buffalo the way the Kansas City Chiefs have to worry about Buffalo. You know what I mean? Like you have to worry about them because they're going to be that team in front of you. And they're probably going to be there for a while. I don't I don't see this changing quickly. I think you know barring some sort of big injury and even with that, I think that Josh Allen's the type of guy, even if he has an injury, I mean, Tom Brady had a big injury right in the middle of his career. He came back and played 15 more years or whatever it was, you know. So, I mean, and he's still playing now. So I think that when you when you look at Allen and that Bills team and sort of what they are and what they've built, uh, and you look at the Patriots and what they are and what they've built, and I use that term loosely because there's not much of a foundation here. That's one thing I really sort of hit home with me while I was watching these two teams. And all throughout the season, I think, you can kind of point to different instances of this. Even in some of the games that the Patriots won, you look over at the team they beat and think, man, that team's got some really nice pieces in place. They're going to be good in a year or two. Does anyone feel like the Patriots are going to be much better in a year or two or that like they're on a trajectory that's going somewhere positive? Like, I, I don't know how you can think that. I just I don't. And every other team in your division is on that type of trajectory. Especially, well, what about the Jets, Arcane? They beat them twice. I know. But how much better are the Jets now than they were last year? I mean, it's night and day. How much better are the Dolphins this year than they were last year? Night and day. And they kicked your ass last year. And Buffalo, maybe Buffalo's not better than they are last year, but they're not much worse. They're still a top team in the AFC. And where does that leave you, Patriots? That's why this is different. That's why this feels different. If the Patriots had gone out there Thursday night and Mac Jones had thrown for 325 yards, two touchdowns, hell, three touchdowns, I'd settle for two. Prefer three. (laughs) But if he had put up a line like that and had a pretty good completion percentage and the Patriots lost 38-27, to I'd feel so much better. Oh, I can't even explain it. I can't even explain how much better I would feel if Mac Jones had gone out there and just, you know, done something. Buffalo was vulnerable too. I just said it. Like, they are they as good as they were last year? They're 9 and 3. So, you know, you tell me. But what I can tell you is in the previous games leading up to this, they gave up 33 points to the Vikings. 23 to Cleveland, and 25 to Detroit. That's an average of about 27 points per game they were giving up. If the Patriots had given them 27 points or 25 points or 33 points, they win that game. They managed 10 and really only got it because of some gadget play to their rookie punt returner in his first ever NFL offensive snap. They tried to give him another one later. Bills were like, ah, you get one. You get one of those. <laughs> I think we're I think we're all maybe going to focus on 25 when he's back on the field. I'll tell you what. That play was awesome. Oh, is that play awesome? I jumped up and started break dancing after that play. I saw someone on Twitter say he looked like Tyreek Hill. He did. He looked like Tyreek Hill and James White and Jamal Charles and who was the little guy on the Chargers? Uh... What was that? Not, no, no, no. The little guy. The really. Oh, Darren Sproles. Yes, Sproles. He looked like Sproles. And um, Dante Hall and all these, uh, you know, like he looked like all of them. He looked like all of them put together. Oh, that was awesome. I loved it. But that was the entire offense. That's all you had. You're not going to beat the Bills like that. Come on. You know, like that. That's it. That was all that they could muster to a vulnerable defense that didn't have two of their best players. You imagine if Von Miller was playing in that game? Could you could you imagine? Von Miller with Connor McDermott or whatever that was out there wearing a Trent Brown jersey the, the, the other night. I know he was sick, but l- good lord. If you're that sick, don't play. I mean, <laughs> you imagine what Von Miller would have done to Mac Jones if he played in that game? I shudder to think. And if you can't, if you can't get more than ten points on the scoreboard at home in a division game against your main rival, then what are we doing here? You know, like, I wanted to believe that this team offensively was trending upwards. I think we all wanted to believe that, and we had reason to believe that. The Jets game was a not a great uh, offensive explosion or anything, fine. But Mac was completing passes. He didn't get in the end zone, but he was completing passes and moving the ball. We all thought, okay, well, it's something. Against the Vikings, touchdown drives, leading touchdown drives, scoring in a shootout with Justin Jefferson and all those guys in Minnesota, and we all thought, oh, wow, this is a major step forward. Look at what this offense is doing. Maybe we all were wrong about Matt Patricia. Oh, I said that last week. I said that last week. Ugh. <laughs> God. Ten points. <laughs> Ugh, ten points. That's why this is different. That's why I think it's different. You know who else thinks it's different? The players on the team, (laughs) the players on the team did not react like they normally react to a loss, even to a big loss like this. Even when, like, Gronk was here and Gronk used to just say things. There was a time where everyone, well, you know, we tried our best, everybody did everything, we did we best we could to win. And then Gronk would be like, man, (laughs) he'd just come out and say whatever. Now everybody's got a little Gronk to him, huh? Mac Jones pissed after this one Kendrick Bourne openly leading a mutiny in the locker room to whoever wanted to listen to it whoever felt like putting a microphone in his face and by the time he was done everybody was there everybody was there okay hey let's head over to Bourne's locker Kendrick's got something to say guys (laughs) let's go let's go take a listen see what it is gotta scheme it better well, we'll play it. How about this? We'll play it. 617 779 nine-seven ninety-three seven. That's your phone number. We'll get to as many calls as we can today. Uh, debate coming on at 2.30. Mike Debate, Sports Illustrated. We'll talk uh, Celtics with Josue Pavone. That's coming up at 3.30. We're on until 4 o'clock here. Uh, Sports Radio, WEEI. It's our We'll be right back.
0: Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
1: Well, the road for the men in Qatar is over as the U S soccer team fell to the Netherlands earlier today, three to one. They are not, they've been officially knocked out of the knockout stage. Uh Celtics suffering their only their fifth loss of the season last (coughs) night to the Miami Heat, one twenty to one sixteen in overtime. Jalen Brown scoring a game high thirty seven points for fourteen rebounds, including the game tying three with two point three left in overtime. Celtics begin a six game road trip starting tomorrow in Brooklyn to take on the Nets. Tip off for that game will be at six. The Bruins welcome the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche to the Garden, try and make it fourteen straight home wins to start the season. Puck drop will be at seven. Red Sox signed right-handed reliever Chris Martin to a two-year $17.5 million deal. Meanwhile, Jacob deGrom got a little bit more than that from the Texas Rangers. Five years, $185 million. And Arkan, you mentioned it during the last hour of Kenan Curtis. Deion Sanders coming yeah! to Colorado. As sources are saying. <laughs> sources are saying that Go he Buffs! is in line to leave Jackson State and become the new head coach at the University of Colorado. Maybe they'll get
3: two and, wins next year.
1: <laughs> and don't forget, MIAA High School Football Championships are currently taking place. You can hear that at 93.7 HD2 with WEI's own Andy Gresh on the call. You can also stream all five games on the Aussie app. Just search MIAA Football Championships as well as on WEI.com. I'm Joe Braverman. That's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com.
0: We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI.
4: Yeah, man, we just need to scheme up better. We need to know what they're doing. We need to know what they want to do on third down. You know what I mean? We're kind of sporadic. They they call this and we call that, and it falls right into what they want. You know what I mean? We need to have it where it's fall. They're falling into what we want, and things like that. So, I said that's not my job. My job is just run the call. But um, as we all can see, we just they have what. 30 first down, and we only had eight. So, like, something they were doing against us was working, and something we were doing against them wasn't working. So, like, it's just about figuring it out each week. So, we still have life, but we need to hurry and figure it out.
3: Wow. Wow, Kendrick Bourne. Let me tell you why that was substantial, what he just said. Not because he called out the coaching and the scheming and the, the whole thing. Real And he's right, by the way. Uh, it's our here, Sports Radio WEI. What's even more jarring to me about that is that Kendrick Boren, first of all, Kendrick Boren played the least amount of snaps of any wide receiver in that game. He played less than Thornton, less than Aguilar, less than uh, Parker, less than Myers. He played the fewest snaps out of any wide receiver that played. Okay, Slater and those guys don't count. Like He played the least out of any wide receiver that got any snaps. Uh, he had 20. And I think Thornton was right ahead of him with 21. I might be off by that. I I know that he was the fewest, though. He's been benched, basically excommunicated from this offense. How many times already this year? Twice? Uh, He's been suspended. He got kicked out of camp. He knows he's on thin ice, right? He has to know it at this point. He's been punished already. How many chances do you think you're going to get? That's a crowded wide receiver room. There's a lot of guys there. And they certainly have made no secret of the fact that they are fine benching you for however long they need to. And armed with all that knowledge, Kendrick Bourne stood in front of his locker and ripped the hell out of everybody. I mean, really, just tore him down to the studs. <laughs> we got to scheme it better. Everything we do, they know it's coming. Like, I mean, he was, and again, he was right. Kendrick, I think Kendrick Bourne's been right all along, to be honest with you. And think about it. Why wouldn't he be? You're trying to run an offense that's basically a Shanahan offense. Well, who's played in a Shanahan offense? Kendrick Bourne just came from one. And he's watching these two guys who don't know what they're doing try and run this offense, try and implement this offense, and he doesn't like it, and he speaks up and says, guys, come on. And he gets he gets punished. Well, he had an equipment violation, so we benched him for three weeks. That's appropriate. That's an appropriate response to an equipment violation. Oh, he got in a fight at camp, just like, I don't know, every other player on the team. They were fighting in camp the whole camp. Every time they had an inter-squad the first two inter-squad practices, guys were beating the crap out of each other all over the place. They were fighting when it was just them scrimmaging against each other. <laughs> They're not fighting anybody now. I mean, now, you know, but that was not something that only Kendrick Bourne was doing. But it was something that only Kendrick Bourne got severely punished for. Why is that, I wonder? And now, with all that information, he goes out there and says, I am out of you-know-what's-to-give. I, I, I'm I done b- b- biting my tongue about this. This is ridiculous. And it's not just Kendrick Bourne. We went over this yesterday, too. All Just about every player that was signed uh, in the free agent spending spree two years ago is having one of the worst seasons, if not the worst season of their career. From Hunter Henry to John Smith to Nelson Aguilar to Bourne, uh, Mac Jones and his regression. I mean, it's only been two years, but whatever you know <laughs> you, you are what you are and now i don't see any leadership trying to squash this insurrection either i don't i don't hear any i don't hear anybody coming out saying guys come on it was just a it was a tough loss to a tough team but we'll go out there and we'll win the next two. which by the way they can very easily do i think just before you think I'm completely abandoning this team, I do think they're going to ruin our holidays, but I do think it's going to be one of those kind of slow burns, you know, where you get your hopes up a little bit and then they all get dashed on Christmas. <laughs> like, you know, like like all those awful movies, except the reverse of that. Um, They got two winnable games coming up. They can beat the Cardinals. They can beat the Raiders. I'm not saying they're going to, but they can. Those are beatable teams. If the Patriots can give the Vikings 26 points, they should be able to beat one of, if not both of those uh, teams. And that puts them at eight and six, and that puts them right back in the mix. Only for the Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills to then, you know, do what they're going to (laughs) do, which is completely ruin everyone's holidays. I'm just, I'm trying to get everyone prepared for this so you're not completely blindsided. All right? You know, you got to start emotionally preparing for this kind of stuff. It's been a while. Uh, with the Patriots since you've had to even think about these things. Holidays with the Patriots were always happy. You know, you get your new Tom Brady or your Gronkowski jersey, the Patriots win, they, you know, have a bye going into the wild. You don't have to play wild card weekend, so you're sitting with your friends, Christmas break, watching the wild card games. It's great. Not not this year. Not the last couple years. Not since uh, you know who took off. You could win these next two games, but I'm not hearing that from these guys. I'm not hearing anything like that. I'm hearing Mac Jones speak up. He's had some. He's had some words, but I'm not hearing. You know, Slater and McCordy and who else? I mean, you know, the leaders on this did David Andrew. I'm not. I'm not hearing them uh, step up and try and 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 squash this. And put some more sound out there to kind of, I don't know, soften the blow of what Kendrick Bourne said and to a lesser extent what Mac Jones said. On some level, I'm not surprised that there's a mutiny happening because if you remember, both Matt Patricia and Joe Judge oversaw mutinies on their watch in their respective previous head coaching stops. Detroit, do you remember what the Lions said about Patricia after he was after he got fired? I mean, it was it was a bloodbath. Stories the stories that came out about him and how he treated the player and the things that he said and what kind of coach he was. Not to mention the dismal win loss record and results. Joe Judge had wide receivers saying, We know more about this than you in New York. Why you don't know what you're talking about? Like you can't, and they couldn't win games either. Mutinies have happened under both of these guys, and you bring them both in, and wow, look, hey, what do you know? It doesn't seem to be working out, does it? Doesn't seem like the quarterback's really picking it up, does it? Doesn't seem like all these guys that you spend 250 million dollars on are figuring out how they fit into this new offense, huh? It's weird. Weird how that works. You add it all up, and what do you get? You get a team that's in a tough spot right now. You got a head coach who I've heard people say this the last 24 hours, and I've seen it written too. Is Bill Belichick too good for this team's own good? Is he too good of a coach? And before I know I'm ripping him right now, but just bear with me here. They said this on the Amazon. They well, if it wasn't Bill, this roster would only be a four-win team. Yeah, right. Probably, yeah. Is that maybe what it should be? What the hell's the point of being a 7-win team? What the hell's the point of being an 8-win team? What's that where's that get you? What's that do for you? Is Bill and his ability to kind of beat up on teams that are, you know, lower on the totem pole and you know soft at certain positions, like quarterback, for example, like when Sam Ellinger and Zach Wilson are out there and Bill's running up to score, like, you know, or against uh, Cleveland and Jacoby Myers. If it was some other coach, you know, he probably would have lost some of those games, the way they've been playing. But coming down the stretch here, even if you win against the Cardinals and the Raiders, you got the Bengals, you got the Dolphins, you got the Bills coming up after that. Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, and then I, the Bills play. I think they play uh, January 10th, maybe, or night, something like that. I'll look up the schedule. Uh, the 8th. They play uh, January 8th. We know how it's going to go. I mean, we know how it's going to go at this point. Uh, 617-779-7937. That's the phone number. I have some more to say about Bill Belichick. Is I think it's fair to ask the question now if, if this will be his last year. And not because I think he's going to get fired. I wonder if this, by choice, may be his last year. I think the end of that game that we just saw Thursday night and his explanation for why they didn't call any timeouts, that th- those were the words of a broken man, like broken by the Buffalo Bills. That's what it sounded like to me. Maybe I'm overreacting, and I probably am. Okay? I've been known to do that. But when he said, you know, against Baltimore, Mack went out there and got hurt, and I just figured, what the hell? I mean, we're not, come on. It's not worth it. I heard him say that. I said, wow. Wow. It's come to this, huh? Bill Belichick packing it in. Division game at home. That you kind of need. I mean, it's not like, you know, like, what What do they think is going to happen? <laughs> you think you're going to win out? <laughs> Hey, please. You got to go back there. You got to go play there. You got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell coming to town. You got a fully loaded Bengals offense coming to town. And not for nothing, but you got Devontae Adams and uh, Hopkins there in Arizona coming, uh, not coming to town, you're going there. But you know what I mean. You got to go play those guys. And after what Diggs and Davis did to you, I'm having a hard time seeing how that ends well. Um, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Let's go to the phone so I can talk to my good friend Steve in Fall River. Uh, Steve, how you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm disappointed with that. Uh, is Belichick too good thing? that's That stuff's got to end. But let me ask you a well, question. Well, hold on a
3: second, Steve. Let me just say, to take him from a four-win team to a seven-win team. Nah. It that's that's like you said. What's the difference? Uh, well, there's no it's difference. Like five, but, I mean, if like, you you're win four games, maybe you get a top ten draft pick. And that's what you'd rather have than okay, a top so 20. let me ask you,
2: what's the difference with this guy? If you get a top 10 pick or you don't, he'll still get you something that's not worth <laughs> still it. Still trade what back you for it, right? You? Yeah, right. What is he going to get you? Uh, I'm thinking this 10th round pick he got, the, the lime in there, that was a 10, whatever he got. Cole Strange. He'll get Gerard Mayo, the 150 tackles a year with none behind the line of scrimmage. But anyway. I like Mayo. Uh I know I like him too. He's a wonderful man, but he's a good very, player. Very, you know, wasn't it? Wasn't the tenth pick of the draft very bad? Be- we're not going to We're not going to go off on that. Fine. Let's go to the off. Let's go to the off when we used to win. Remember, we used to win Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Well, the building season is the day after the Super Bowl through training camp, and the Patriots always had a deficit because they go to the Super Bowl. The other teams have time. They're picking thirty-two or thirty-one, and blah blah blah. Well, guess what? They haven't been going to the Super Bowl, and they've had their full offseason like every other drag in the world. Now, if we look at the offseason, Christian, we had the worst offseason in of the division, didn't we? Buffalo got better. Uh, Miami got, wow. Miami blew it away with Certainly. the big trade. And the Jets and the have Jets, been
3: drafting very well the last two, three and years. And they yeah.
2: had the best draft. I don't. I generally don't listen to it, but if we look at the thing, we will last in the off season. Where are we now in the division? Bottom of it. Okay. Bottom so of the offseason gave us a result. And, I, and, and I'm and i not saying that the coaching staff is optimum. But guess what? We're, we are overplaying it. I'm hearing if we just get rid of these two bozos, we'll, we'll be okay. uh uh-uh. Unless you have a good offseason, which is the foundation of – your team, team building, is not now. It's not making an adjustment going forward in the season. It happens in the offseason. When you have a nothing offseason compared to your division rivals, you land up last. Yeah. When you don't have Tom Brady, you have Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. And
3: guess what his career record is? 500. I know. It's below that, actually. Thank you for the call, Steve. I appreciate it. And he brings up a good point. Because... Even if you did have whoever, Josh McDaniel back, uh, Mike McDaniel in Miami, you know, one of, the, one of the underlings, one of the real offensive minds, even if you had one of those guys here, you have a mediocre roster with mediocre guys that you signed at big money hoping that one of them would play up to it. That's what happened two years ago. You signed Nelson Aguilar to big money. Everybody knew Nelson Aguilar was not worth big money. Kendrick Bourne, maybe people didn't know as much about Kendrick Bourne, and you thought, all right, maybe this guy, when incentivized, will hit a new... And you know what? He did last year. Kendrick Bourne had the best year of his career last year. Uh, but he didn't come in here, some guy, Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill or DeAndre Hopkins or any of the guy, you know, any of these wide receivers who moved. Um, He's not one of them. Neither is Devontae Parker. Uh, And Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith might have been the best tight ends available right then. But go back over their numbers and their career stats. Neither one of them were Antonio Gates either. I mean, come on. Good players. Had to pony up to get them. And by the way, just about every single one of those guys who I just mentioned came from a team that's doing way better than the Patriots this year. Think about that. Hunter Henry, well, maybe not the Chargers. Chargers are not doing way better, but I would imagine, I just would imagine that Hunter Henry would probably rather be uh, catching passes from Justin Herbert in a real offense right now. I know that team doesn't win a lot of games, but like at least the offense goes out there and doesn't embarrass themselves every week. Uh, Johnnie Smith, I guarantee you, wishes he was still in Tennessee. Um, and who else? Oh, yeah, born in San Francisco, obviously. And uh, Aguilar probably wishes he was back in the Eagles, who have won- lost one game all year. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. It's it, there was a time where free agents would come to New England and forget all about the other teams they ever played for. You know, I'm a patriot now. It's like I never even was in Cleveland. <laughs> you know, and it's like I never even I never even got drafted by Detroit or whatever. You just complain, it's, it's gone. It's just out of your mind. You're a patriot, that's it forever. I guarantee you all these patriots that just signed for big money two years ago are all thinking about their old teams right now. You know? Staring at the picture like Wolverine. 617 779 nine seven ninety three seven. Trav is in Charlestown. Go ahead, Trav.
4: Hey, good afternoon. What's up? Hey, listen, I'm listening. Uh, lots of nuance to the conversation that you're bringing, but on more of like a grandiose level, just a critique of what's happening, I think there's an ebb and flow to a lot of sports teams, and I think that's what you're seeing here in the Patriots. We've been so accustomed to winning um, and now it, it's kind of folding back a little bit. So people are still searching for, you know, the days of yonder year. And sure. it, it might not be that way for a while. That's more like the grandiose critique. But like on a granular level, there's got to be something else going on with the play calling, right? People are always questioning lately, like, why why are we seeing these – second, and third down calls for short passes and screen plays that aren't really getting anything. Why aren't they throwing the ball downfield more? There's got to be something else behind this. That's Obviously, what Mac was know. saying.
3: Mac said our short game, our quick game sucks. Let's throw the ball. Yeah, he was saying that on the yep. sideline.
4: Yeah, but and again, and this isn't like a pity party for Mac Jones. I think he's probably trying the best he can. Obviously, he wants to win, but what's happened there is a lack of confidence, and we can attribute that. To poor play, but it's also being compounded by the, the the feedback he's getting from the fans. I mean, you've got a lot of farewell, fair-weathered fans out there that are booing him and, and trashing this guy. I mean, that's the quarterback of the team. Don't we want him to do well? We yeah, want to I'd love him for
3: him to do well, Trav. He's just not doing well. He's not playing well. What do you want from us? Like, you know, like, well, the fans aren't being uh, nice enough to him. Come on. That is that is not an excuse. That is not an excuse a professional athlete should ever be giving, and no one should ever be giving on behalf of any professional athlete. The fans weren't nice to him. Fans were plenty nice to him last year. Fans were psyched for him coming into this year. Mac Jones was like the fifth highest-selling jersey in the entire offseason. People were high on Mac Jones. And listen, you know, not for nothing, but Bailey Zappi came in and played pretty well. He wasn't great, but he played great in that Cleveland game. Most of the games that he played in, you won. Like, you know, I'm not I'm just telling you. Like, that. that's why. And that's just, I'm sorry, but that's just the thing that happens. That happens with every team other than, you know, the Brady Patriots. People start getting, you know, horny for the backup quarterback. It's been going on since Michael Bishop. <laughs> in my lifetime, anyway. I'm sure it goes well back beyond that with Grogan and Eason and Hugh Millen and all those guys. You know, like, but that's just a thing that happens when your quarterback's not that great. And I'm sorry, like, Mac Jones had a fine year last year. And here's another thing that's annoying me. Can we please stop? Everybody say, "Wow, well, Mac Jones had one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time. Yeah. With guys like Gardner Minshew and, like, other rookies who suck. Like, I don't care about that. That doesn't mean anything. All right? Like, I don't care if he's one of the best rookie seasons. Like, rookie seasons don't mean anything at all. If you look at the other guys on that list, other than Andrew Luck and a couple others, most of them are just scrubs who never did anything. All right? So don't don't tell me that, like, that's something that, you know, Well, you can't say that about Mac Jones. He had this great rookie year. Yeah, okay. Gardner Minshew had a great rookie year, too. I'm not impressed. I don't care. Um, I need to see him go out and actually, you know, win a game. Uh, a game that they're losing. Go out there, win it with his arm. Because I'll tell you, they got one of those guys in Buffalo who can do that. I don't know that they have that guy in Miami, but I know that he can put up enough points that maybe he doesn't even need to. And the Jets definitely don't have that guy, but neither do you right now. And you got to figure that out. 617-779-7937, that's your phone number. We'll talk more about Mac Jones. Is this Bill Belichick's last year? And also, are you a team that needs to be taken seriously in the AFC right now? I'm kind of leaning towards no, not really. Because I don't think the Bills took you seriously. On Thursday, I think they thought of you as a speed bump. I'll explain next.
0: Covering Boston
3: sports and beyond,
0: we're back to Christian Arcand on WEEI.
1: And we talked about it, you know, the absence of Von Miller and your defensive unit, just stepping up what you saw watching them this evening from the sidelines. Yeah, again, uh, it's easy to win when they, the only, the other team only scores 10 points.
3: Ouch! Ouch, Josh! Rude! It's here, Sports Radio WEEI. This is Josh Allen after the game. Again, no one's telling any lies here. I haven't played one piece of sound yet in which someone told a lie to any of you. And I'm not lying to you either. Josh Allen owns you. (laughs) Owns you. That's no lie. Didn't sound like, I mean, does it sound like Josh Allen takes you seriously? That was the first win that the Bills had against an AFC East team this year. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the Jets. You were the first team in the division that they beat. And I'll tell you. That's – here's here's what I think is going on there. Buffalo, I think, is the best team in the division. I think Miami's good, and they'll be a playoff team, but I don't think they're as good as Buffalo. I think Buffalo's just better than them. Um, but if, if you want to know what I think happened here is that Buffalo started taking themselves – really feeling themselves to the point where, like, they thought they could take games off or just sort of roll the ball out and, and win, and the Jets showed them, no, you can't. And then the Vikings showed him, no, you can't either. We'll we'll play that game with you if you want. And Buffalo said, okay, time to stop bleeping around. They go out there. They beat uh, Cleveland. Didn't beat them bad, but they beat them. Go out there. They beat Detroit. Didn't beat them bad, but they beat them. And then let's go to New England and really just finish this. All right. Let's just go to let's just go to New England and and stop screwing around. Cause you saw how they were playing at the end of that game. It was very conservative. It reminded me of the clock killing Corey Dillon Patriots back in like 0-5, where they'd get a lead and then they just run the clock out. And that's what they did. I mean, they had a, a fourteen play, a nine minute fourteen play drive in the third quarter that was the end of the game, like, I, you know, the the defense was better in the second half. Fine, I guess. Holding that team to 24 points, yeah, fine. I guess they were better. But, like, was that the third quarter or the fourth quarter when they had that drive? I guess it was the fourth quarter, excuse me. Uh, but either way, you know, like, did it really ever seem like the Bills weren't in control of that game? Did it ever really seem like they could have, you know, did it, did it ever seem like they couldn't just put their foot on the gas and, and leave you in the dust? That drive at the end of the game, that Patriots drive at the end of the game should have told you all you need to know. Um, I think the future of this division is going to be pretty exciting for Bills fans and for Dolphins fans. I think for Patriots and Jets fans, it's going to be a rough era. I just, you know, like the way the way things – what things are on track for right now. And in Miami, it's a little tenuous because they traded all their draft picks away for Tyreek Hill, and they're spending all this money. And eventually, like you see in here with the Rams, like the bill comes up on stuff like that. You see that happen a lot. Uh, you're seeing it happen with the Raiders right now. They made all those – traded all those picks for Adams, and already they're in Pork City. <laughs> but uh, Buffalo, Buffalo's in good shape. And I think the Dolphins, even though – you know they may have to make some tough decisions here with some of their players. I think that they're gonna probably be okay too offensively with that coach, and you know if they keep the bare bones of that offense intact, you know I think they'll I think they'll be fine. I don't know what the future of the Patriots is. I think the Jets have some good players they don't have a quarterback, so they're sort of right where you are. but if they get one, if they get one and you even if you get one too. I think a good quarterback would rather be with the Jets right now, with that offense and that uh, those pass catchers and that running back. Uh, less for me to have to do. You can come to New England and, you know, you got Stevenson and Myers and, you know, two tight ends who are underachieving since they signed here, obviously, but maybe could do something else with a different quarterback. I don't know. Maybe a different quarterback could bring out more of Nelson Aguilar and you know, Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton and these other wide receivers, maybe. I mean, that's possible. But if I'm a free agent quarterback and I could go to the Jets or I could go to the Patriots, I mean, come on. It's not even close. I don't think it's really close. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, right there. I mean, like, those two right there. Not to mention the kid, uh, uh, the running back, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, Brees Hall. I mean, come on. You know, there's parts of the Patriots I think, you know, you can you take over that, but those two guys right there, Moore and Wilson, I'd take over any two Patriots wide receivers. Easily. And there's more to an offense than just the wide receivers. Fine, sure. Uh Hall and Stevenson, I'll give you a wash there. Maybe I'll even give you a nod to Stevenson. What do you think's more important? you know you're running back or your two main pass catchers. I think it's clear at this point what that is. I think you're going to be looking up at some of these teams for a while unless drastic changes happen and you really revamp this lineup. I just don't know that this roster is one that you can maneuver like that. You've got guys signed to real money, you've got guys with major dead cap hits like you can't just start wheeling and dealing and hoping that, you know, you wind up on the other end of it. Uh, with uh, with a roster that you feel better about, this may be you know not the greatest roster we've ever seen. It's a lot of mediocrity, but this is this is what you're stuck with. This is what you got. And I also can't help but think that there's been other examples of these teams in history, the Jets and the Bears and some of these other teams that splurged in some of these off seasons, had one little bump and then fell off. I mean, that is that is uh, history will tell you that that's generally how that goes. When you go out and do a massive free agent spending spree, you get a bump that first year, and then you tail off. I don't know why that is. I think with the Patriots, though, I do have a theory. And my theory is too many new guys. Everybody's a new guy. This whole offense is full of new guys. Mac Jones has been here a year plus. Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry and John U. Smith and Nelson Aguilar and all these guys other than Jacoby Myers have been here a year two years. They're not. Lifelong Patriots, they're not here playing with bread There's a couple of guys that were on the team with Brady, but not that many. On the offense, I think it's just linemen. I don't think I don't know if there's any skill players that played with Brady. You know, I mean that's that's <laughs> you're not you're not talking about guys that came here because of the Patriot way. You're talking about guys that came here because you paid them more than anybody else, because you had to. Because <laughs> they probably would have signed somewhere else. And not wanted to play with Cam Newton or Mac Joe or whatever. Um, They didn't know who the quarterback was going to be at the time that they signed. But that's also part of it, too, isn't it? They didn't even know. Um, Yeah, there's Jacoby Myers. That's it. He's the only one to play with Brady. That's on the team right now. In terms of, like, skill players. Harris, maybe? Was Harris on the team? Yeah, D- Damian Harris, too. Fine. Harris and, and Myers. That's it. Everybody else, new guy. And you also have two offensive coordinators who aren't just new to being offensive coordinators; they're new to coaching offense. Period. New to the whole concept. Like, I know that they're they're out of everyone I just mentioned, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are probably the two most loyal Patriots because they have to be. Bill Belichick saved their careers and brought them in, and you know gave them this lifeline while they're being paid by other organizations. And gave them pretty important jobs. Here with a team that is in a state of... I don't know exactly what this state is that they're in right now. What would you What would you call this state? Uh, like, I'd say it's a state of regression, right? I mean, that's what it is. But coming into this year, you're talking about a playoff team with a Pro Bowl quarterback. That was... There's a lot of optimism coming into this year. Disarray. A disarray. That's what it is. All that optimism is gone. It's out the way. Win- I mean, it's... I barely even remember what that felt like. I can't. I can't. I can't even picture Mac Jones doing the gritty in the end zone at the Pro Bowl anymore. And to hear Allen talking like that about our Patriots, Ugh. oh, good lord! Well, you know it's not hard to win when the other team <laughs> scores ten points, and had to fight and claw and really, you know, how how many plays were in that drive? It was like a seventeen play drive at the end of that game. Like my god. Uh, it was 17 plays to go 57 yards. <laughs> kick a field goal, and then after they kicked the field goal, they uh, doinked the onside kick. And Bill says, "You know what? The hell with it. <laughs> let's let's go home. I'm done with this. I we're not. This is. I don't even want to bother. Last time we tried this, Matt got hurt. I don't want anybody getting hurt. So let's go home. We're not beating these guys. We're not winning this game." With this off at what? So what? Get an onside kick and get the ball back. Then what? What, are we going to throw another screen to Marcus Jones? Nothing else works. Nothing else has worked all night except this one screen to the player who no one scouted because they didn't think he was an offensive player because he hasn't been all year or ever in his career. <laughs> like, other than that, other than that, I'd say everything went fine. God. Bill throwing up the white flag. I wonder, is it just on this game or... Is he taking a look into the future and saying, you know, no mas. You, you keep that record, Shula. I'm not sticking around for this. For this mess that I made, for this disarray that my team is in, which is largely my fault. I'm Bill right now. This is largely my fault. <laughs> it's a pretty good impression of him, I think. Yeah, you know, it's my fault. You know what? I'm not even piling on him. I'm doing what he said to do. If this doesn't work out. It's my fault. I know, Bill. We know that. And it is. And it's not working out. And it is your fault. Uh, 617-779-7937, that's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the quarterback. Mac Jones had an outburst on the sideline, uh, and then he talked about it after the game. I didn't even see this outburst when it happened. I don't know when it happened even. Uh, I don't know if anyone's actually reported on when Mac's uh, sideline outburst happened in the game, but it happened. We saw it, and lip readers everywhere uh, took their turns saying what he was talking about. We'll get into all of that with your phone calls right after this.